0: The incident that, that really did it was a, a male student gave another, another a, f- a female student a black eye, uh, just smacked her right in, the, right in the face after she moved his cell phone off the table onto the floor. But I felt so guilty because it happened on my watch.
1: This is Diary of a Nation. I'm your host, Christina Zlotnick. My podcast explores the human experience. The New Hampshire high school teacher I interviewed did something quite rare in his profession. He quit during the school year, just a few months ago, after 17 years in the classroom. His story is one experience, but I imagine his challenges mirror what any number of other teachers face today. Thanks for agreeing to talk to me. Growing up, what was your experience like as a student?
0: I was, I was a good student. I wasn't a great student. My, my parents always made sure that I, I was taking care of my studies and, and doing the best that I could. Looking back, I, I could have done more. Academics came easy to me. Uh, not to be braggadocious, but academics came easy to me. And I was... Somewhat lazy, in in my in my studies. So I was. I, I think I was in the top ten of, of my class. I could have done better here in New Hampshire. It was here in, in Southern New Hampshire. Yes, nice.
1: Yes, kids across generations are peppered with that same question: What do you want to be when you grow up? And what did you aspire to be?
0: And that's one of the things that uh, maybe made my my academics. Not as 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 high as they could have been. I, I wasn't sure. Nothing clicked to me until maybe my junior year of high school, where, where where science clicked. What I wanted to be was a baseball player. Then I realized, okay, who'd you like? <laughs> J T. Snow, Jack Thomas Snow.
1: Who did from, he play for?
0: He played for the Angels. And my dad uh, went to a a Red Sox game at Fenway and got his autograph, number six and and so my dad was so excited when he came back i got, i got i got a major leaguers autograph that you know that's that's what i wanted to be i was i was a good baseball player and i i played for my my high school for 4 years but i realized afterward that you know it that that's not going to happen i'm not i'm not a a major league baseball player uh, not 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 that caliber
1: why did but, you become a teacher
0: i became a teacher you know what i fell into it i fell into it I majored in biology in college, and I wanted to be a lab rat. I wanted to be a research person. And after college, I I went home, lived with my parents for for just a little bit, and during the, 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 the winter... Uh, after I graduated, there was a, a teacher that 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 had to leave, and I was I was a long term sub. So when I say I fell into it, I really did. I I taught uh, environmental science and and topics that I was familiar with, but not I wasn't uh, well versed in them. And I said, you know what, this is okay. I'm making a little bit of money as a substitute teacher. I want to go to Boston to be a research student or, or you know, work, work at a hospital. And that, that didn't happen. So it, it worked out for me that I was able to, to be a long-term sub at the, the high school that I graduated from. And that was interesting, calling my, my now colleagues – by their first name when I wanted to call them Mister or Mrs. or whomever, and uh, they, they they welcomed me with open arms, and it, it just it worked out that there was a need in science, and and there still is in the state of New Hampshire. Science teachers are are hard to come by.
1: You're a unicorn. You were a unicorn. <laughs> I of was. Sorts. Well,
0: I'd like to think of myself as a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, I, I've I've taught biology, chemistry. Forensic science is is one of the things cool. that, yeah that, I, that I've taught at, at the the high school and uh, um, post secondary level i've taught at universities uh, here in southern New Hampshire forensics and the fact that i 'm an empath that the fact that I think of other people it just clicked for me that you know this is something that I can do.
1: You eventually got your master 's degree too
0: i did uh, this was this was after I left. Uh, the, the first school that I worked at, uh, I, I ended up getting my master's degree in um, education administration, thinking that I wanted to become a principal with, my, what, with what I think my leadership skills are. I went to a military school. Where was that? This was at Norwich University yes. in, in, in Vermont. I was in the Corps of Cadets, and I never served. I didn't take my commission, but I come from a military family. And I'm very, very proud of the fact that I have those. Uh, I I was able to to lead cadets um, that that are still currently serving as uh, senior officers in the United States military.
1: In those early years of your career, what was a typical day like?
0: Uh, and again, my my wife's. I want to mention my wife. She she's a teacher. Uh, she has been teaching just as long as i have before i before i left this past fall it would be 10 11 hours i would i would be one step ahead of the students again starting as a long term sub i had the book i had the chapter and it was okay this is the lesson that we're supposed to see or, or we're supposed to teach uh, this is the curriculum and so i would make sure i would write my lessons my my lesson plans so that I sounded like I knew what I was talking about. As the years went on, I, I knew what I was talking about.
1: By this most recent school year, how had teaching changed?
0: By this most recent school year, uh, I feel like there were so many initiatives and directives being aimed at teachers, and it was, it was so hard to, to keep up with everything.
1: We what do you mean Exactly
0: a year ago two years ago we had to write a paragraph at, at uh, report card time at the end of every quarter a uh, uh, narrative about each student and that was initiated from upper management from from the from the school district and things that we just didn't have to do before more work it was more work it was more work and i didn't mind the work but it was just more time taken away from my family which is one of the reasons why i made the decision that i that i that i made
1: what supports did you feel were lacking
0: administration did via email and 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 whatnot Mentioned that they would support us and, and, and they tried as best they could, but there was so much coming in from higher up that there just wasn't time to get us teachers together, uh, having common planning time and anything like that. We just weren't able to to be uh, at, our, at our most efficient
1: how did those metrics by which administrators evaluated your job performance change over time?
0: So here is one that I that I that I wanted to write down: smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time bound is what smart stands for. Uh, the metrics by which they measured us uh, was under the the Danielson framework. What's that? I don't remember her first name, but it's one of the one of the metrics by which most school dis- districts measure the effectiveness of their teachers. Um, there are four different domains in which we must uh, cooperate and, and and show proficiency. Emily Danielson—that's her name.
1: So, what are those four, roughly? Um, in lay terms.
0: In lay terms. Uh, Providing lesson plans, uh, pr- planning. The second one is about classroom management. Uh, the third one, and wow, well, as I as I think about it again, making making sure you communicate with your with your stakeholders. And the fourth one, parents, is parents, parents like that, absolutely, parents, students, uh, and and being an effective part of the school community. For example. When I started teaching, I decided to be a class advisor. Why not? It it, it brought me closer to to my students, and um, I I, I took a leadership role in that regard.
1: I know our society expects schools to help solve an array of social problems. You know, things like lack of basic needs, students who don't have enough to eat, enough clothing, school supplies – Uh, child care issues that parents have, bullying issues, substance misuse on the part of the student, mental health challenges. How did all these problems change over the years, and how did those types of issues impact you as a teacher?
0: So I think as our society has changed over the years, we've noticed more uh, these basic needs that, that students have. Uh, at the at the the most recent school I I was at, the the school counseling department would have crackers in 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 the cabinet because we knew that students didn't have some, some students didn't have that basic need of, of of food and how can you how can you deny a human being, you know?
1: <laughs> and how can you
0: learn when you're hungry? Exactly when you're tired when you're hungry how can you learn? So we we made a conscious effort to to provide for those needs my my biggest issue uh, i guess is the rise of social media the fact that when you ask me how these problems have changed over the years i was i was researching before i before i spoke with you uh, this evening tiktok challenges <laughs> you,
1: like, like Coca-Cola and Mentos and all that stuff they do.
0: This is this is dance a, challenges. This is even worse. And and you Tide can Tide pods. You, you can you can you exactly. You can Google this TikTok 2022 challenges for January, jab a breast, Feb- <gasps> February, mess up school signs.
1: I didn't know that kind of stuff.
0: There were so And
1: I have kids who just got out of high school.
0: Uh, March mess up the calf,
1: the or, calf. Or, 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 the, the calf? or or
0: the or the cafeteria or the quad. There was this this challenge that that occurred, this TikTok challenge that occurred in the in the fall of the previous year, of last year before I left, and it was uh, mess up mess up the bathroom, uh, steal steal something from school, steal something from school, and the students. Not all of them, because ninety five percent of them are amazing people, but there were some some students that got behind this social media challenge, and um, we had we had issues with with the the facilities at school. We had to lock the bathrooms because especially the 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 men's bathroom because uh soap dispensers were being stolen, and sinks were being ripped off. The walls, not where I went, not where I taught, but in a in another local southern New Hampshire school, a toilet was stolen wow bullying uh was was a big a big problem, so I would see issues of bullying uh not on a daily basis, but I would see it more online and and i students would report issues of bullying and and would want answers and would 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 Look, they're looking for comfort and accountability absolutely. Uh, so me I'm, I'm not a excuse me, I'm not a, a social media savvy person. I, I have Facebook, but I don't really go on it anymore. The challenges that I saw dealt with it, it, it was all it was all via social media and, and students didn't know how to respond, didn't know who to turn to, so they would turn to us because the parents I, I I'm not going to call out the parents and say they were oblivious cuz I'm sure they they knew but even my own daughter my own daughter my 12-year-old daughter was she she bullied somebody she was told to to say something on social media and she did via peer pressure and we had that discussion with her but at at the high school level where I taught it was it was rampant and we still don't have a, a way to, to deal with that issue.
1: Why not? It's been going on forever.
0: I don't know that we have the capacity to, to handle all of the, the, the new uh, media outlets that, that the students
1: have access but to. But even back in the day, it's been going on forever before yeah, and it, and it's social first. media. You're right, you're parents right. are very frustrated about that, among other things, and I know it's not all on you. We can't ask teachers nope. to do it all. We all have a hand. We all have a responsibility.
0: and I appreciate that uh it I, I, there were there were times where I didn't know what to do i would I would talk to a student in private. I always my, my philosophy, my philosophy is praise in public. Criticize in private. So, you know, I, I would, I would, I would praise students for doing the right thing when they knew that something wasn't wasn't going right, something was awry on social media, and they would alert administration. But I don't think we have a framework in place to deal with these issues that arise from social media that happen at a school on a day to day basis. Th- these students have instant access to it uh, parents can text their students at school and i can tell you ha- having left teaching in the last several months i have been guilty of texting my older daughter my 15 year old just to see if she's okay what she's doing but as a, when i was teaching that's the last thing we want is 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 we want these students to be engaged. And not all, distracted. And not distracted, absolutely. So there, there's that influence that really, really hampers our ability to deliver the curriculum uh, at the level that we would, would like to, to deliver.
1: Do you have any stories that can illustrate some of these other issues, like the lack of basic needs, substance misuse issues, mental sure. health challenges?
0: It's it's sad. I I did some research and I know that the United States, the the number of students, the number of, of children below eighteen, uh, we we have the highest number, uh, the highest percentage of students in the world that come from uh, a single a single home, uh, single parent home, I, I, single parent home. I don't want to say a broken home, but a single a single parent home, and I think that 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 does have a big role to play. I know that my own children are not perfect. My wife and I were both teachers. She still does teach, but it does start at home. I was very traumatized by the fact that my father passed away at 60 years old. I was 37.
1: I'm so sorry.
0: Still traumatized. I had students that were 15 that saw their parents overdose pass away and so how am i how am i supposed to say to myself oh wow brock you're 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 really struggling when when these kids are 15 they're 14 15 years old and they're dealing with this so a lot of these students do have basic need issues and it, i would do what i could in my classroom to provide whatever i could for their basic needs but I, it, it was just such a larger issue that I, maybe I didn't know how to handle or or address the problem and make sure that they felt comfortable. I wanted to make sure that I that that my students every day that they came into my classroom that they felt safe every single day. Research shows that. Uh, teachers that that get to know their students, and I, I would I would memorize names. I would I would try to do that within the first three days, so that my students knew I cared about them and made those connections right off the bat. And and that's why I feel like I, I had a I had a decent career because I really did care about my students.
1: What mental health challenges and substance misuse issues? Did you see
0: one of the, one of the reasons for my departure, one of the initial reasons for my departure, I had a student who just before my class began, which was around noontime, middle of the day, just after lunch, this student had uh, vaped. This student had a, a vape that was laced with, with THC. And this, this, this student was just not, not right and there were some physical manifestations that occurred. And, and we knew that there was an issue, so I called the nurse and and that and that, and, and that was really the start of, the, of, of, of my questioning, what was I doing? Uh, I, I was trying to reach these students and be the best person that I could. The incident that, that really did it was a, a male student gave another, another, a a female student, a black eye, Uh, just smacked her right in the, right in the face after she moved his cell phone off the table onto the floor. But I felt so guilty because it happened on my watch. And that's where I knew I needed to be. I just needed to, I, I questioned, I questioned where I was. And and I wanted to be there for the students, as, as I would every day. But I knew that a, a change needed to be made.
1: Isn't it so overwhelming when you realize you can't fix all of life's problems?
0: Absolutely. And, and that's where I struggle as an empath, as a person who loves other people. I, I, I've always prided myself on on that ability that I could... Put myself in someone else's shoes, and, and and I want to fix their problems. I, I, I want to do right by people because <laughs> my wife would say that you know she she knows I'm stubborn, but as 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 stubborn as I am, and as as cranky as I can be, I guess I wouldn't have stayed in this profession as long as I did if I didn't love other people, especially the students who need guidance, and I want to see them thrive. I want to see them move on to bigger and better things.
1: What are those stories of those students who you had a positive impact on? There must have been several.
0: Oh, there were a few. There were a few. I'm proud of the fact that I can think of three students that after having taken a forensics course with me, forensic science, they decided that they wanted to go to college and major in forensic science. And they went to a prominent college here in New England to, to further those studies. And me ha- having, having taught in two schools that are no more than 20 minutes from where I live, I see these former students almost daily. And they say hello, and they say how much of an impact that I and other teachers had on them. So that that makes me feel special. I, I hear parents talking about it. I'm, I'm a local. I'm a local guy, so I see these people all the time. And the ones that are are, are very appreciative. It just it really hits me to the core and makes me feel happy about why I chose what I did for as long as I did.
1: What other positive stories do you have? Oh, my jeez.
0: I, I just, I, I think of students taking videos of, of experiments that we did. And um, here's a good one. Um, I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> one of my former students asked uh, uh, the band, my band, to play it at their wedding. It was the last show that I got to play with my father before he passed. And it was a former, two former students that, that got married and they're living a happy life. And I know that I had an impact on both of them when they were younger. And that makes me feel good.
1: And you played at prom the last yeah. year you taught, yes, we did and the students love the fact that you 're one of the lead singers. they think you 're super cool
0: yeah that was that was fun, and hopefully we 'll be invited back uh,
1: you 're going back for graduation
0: absolutely. this spring I would not miss that for the world. I do miss my students. <laughs>
1: Sounds like it's really hard for you. It is hard to be gone. It's hard. And it sounds like you'd still be there if things had been different. Yeah. Um
0: just a little bit more about myself. I, I knew I knew that I had to be a better person. And the stress from the job was Affecting my, my lifestyle at home. Um, I, would, I would come home and just snap at my, my daughters. Two, I have two lovely daughters. One of them is a sophomore in high school. The other one's a seventh grader. And my wife, as a kindergarten teacher, has been for 17, almost 18 years. And I just would snap. Not physically but verbally, I would just snap and and even my family members I'm the oldest of, of, of three, so my, my two siblings, my brother and my sister, they would they would tell me, "You're not yourself you're, you're. When did
1: that start happening?
0: It started happening happening within the last year, year and a half. I wasn't happy two years ago, two and a half years ago, but I stuck it out. But when my family told me that I was not being the person that I thought I was, then I knew that something needed to change. So what I tell people what I've told people in, in terms of me leaving, teaching, I was a less than stellar husband, I was a less than stellar father. And that's not me. I needed to be better. And you can hear, you can hear my voice cracking. But I knew, I knew right away that something needed to change. So I was in the administration uh, offices weeping. This is a 40-year-old man having gone to military school weeping. I thought I was tough. I'm not. I love people. And so, I knew that a change needed to be made. And luckily for me, my school district did did support me in that regard.
1: You sound like a really decent man who is self-aware and wanted to do right by the school and by your family.
0: Thank you. So, out of respect to the school, to my students, to my family, I stayed longer than I needed to. They asked me if, if I could stay another month so they could get another teacher or, or find a, a, re- a replacement, get a plan, and I did that, even though I knew that this was, this was it for me. But I'm proud of the fact that I did that, and I hope that... The school district, the students, my colleagues, the administration, knew that I did that out of respect for them. One of the things I would always tell my students is I value respect. I don't command it, I don't demand it. I value respect, and if they know that, then i've then I've got their respect, and they know that I had theirs.
1: My two best friends were teachers. And they said it's almost unheard of for a teacher to leave during the school year. So I knew something major was happening in your life.
0: I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say here, but uh, one of my former students asked me, are you still teaching at, at, at the school that I was at? I said, no, I'm done. Wow, they must have pissed you off. And I, I had just had enough. I had seen fights. I had broken up fights. I had seen substance abuse in my classroom. I had seen physical assault in my classroom under my watch. That's not what my classroom is supposed to be about. And and I thought I was one of the good ones. That was my, my hardest conversation that I had. And I'm going to get emotional again. I I was asked last spring to teach ap chemistry which i was so excited about my my undergrad degree is in biology but if i had to do it again and i told i would tell all my students this if i did it all over again i would major in chemistry i love chemistry i actually still teach it at a local university two nights a week here in southern new hampshire so that, that morning when I told my AP chemistry students that I was, that I was leaving, and I, I, I knew the date, having spoken with administration, I knew the date, and I had the cream of the crop. I had 12, 13 students that were the best and brightest that that school had to offer, and it was just silent as I was sitting there, weeping in front of them, because I do... Like you said before, I am an honest person and, I, and I'm real with my students and I want them to see that we're humans too. I remember when I was a student, I, you know, my teachers, what do they do after work? Well, your teacher cares about you and is, is, plays in a band, has a family, makes dinner, but uh, I'm human. And and that was it was hard to reveal my human self to them, but I, I felt like I had to do that so that they knew where I was coming from. I felt and I still feel that I abandoned them. That, that's just the way I feel. But they were so supportive, knowing that I needed to be a better person and I can't wait to see them on graduation.
1: One of your fellow teachers told me that the kids absolutely loved your loud and bright and sometimes explosive demonstrations in the classroom. And she said you were regarded as one of the top five teachers at that school. You apparently knew exactly how to engage students and how to make chemistry interesting to them. Plus, you know, you're the kind of teacher that's hard to replace. And it really seems like the profession lost one of the good ones when you left.
0: That's nice of my colleague to say. I I think it's my empathetic nature. And uh, again, the fact that I truly, truly care about every student. I want them to succeed. I would tell my students, hey, if you go out there, you go to college, you go in the military, you go to the workforce, you go out there, you make more money than I did. I've done my job. (laughs) You know, it's, it's still hard, but uh, I don't have any regrets. My wife was so supportive of me leaving the education world, and she's still in it, and she's still dealing with the same hurdles uh, that, that, we, that we've discussed on, on many levels, and uh, we're just going to move forward, and, and I'm just glad that I'm, I'm a better, better person my family needed to know. That I was there for them and I had to do what's right.
1: What was your favorite lab experiment to demonstrate?
0: (laughs) Blowing up sodium for (laughs) sure. Blowing up sodium. There are many, many videos from a couple different schools in which I taught of Mr. Lambert blowing up sodium, taking a huge chunk, probably larger than normal, and throwing it in a bucket of water and running like mad. Just so they could see how reactive uh, a pure uh, alkali metal like sodium is. I, I don't have any. I didn't have any potassium or any other more reactive alkali metals. But the sodium experiment was always, always fun.
1: One alarming change since I've been in school is now the threat of school shootings. I grew up in Oklahoma. We had fire drills, we had tornado drills, but never in my worst nightmare did I ever imagine the threat of a school shooting. And that's just sheer terror on a whole other level. What are your thoughts?
0: So, with regard to school shootings, as you, as, as you just mentioned, unfortunately, they've, they've increased. And there have been reforms – put in place at schools uh, where we have to change our thinking. So we have this new procedure now, one of the trainings, one of the trainings that uh, the teachers at my most recent school that we went through was called ALICE training. It stands for Alert, Lock Down, Inform, Counter, and Evacuate. For most of my career, for years and years, we would just uh, we would we would practice lockdown procedures in case of a school shooting and we'd shut the lights off and lock the door and and, and and sit away from the door where we would just sort of be sitting ducks. And now that has changed so that if we know something's gonna happen in the school Get out, go, get out, fight, get out. And that, that, uh, that method, that, that uh, protocol, so to speak, I, I'm, I'm much happier with. Um, I've always felt safe at school. Maybe it's because I'm in a remote corner of southern New Hampshire. I've always felt safe at school.
1: We are one of the safest states in the nation.
0: We are. So I've always felt safe and and I I would say I would say half jokingly to my students folks you're in one of the safest rooms of the school if anything happens I have some concentrated sulfuric acid in the back <laughs> and True. I'm and I'm not going down without a fight so I'm going to I'm going to make sure you're safe I would say that half jokingly but that thought you got to do what you got to do. That thought had crossed my mind once in a while, especially with like, like you said, the, the, the rise of school shootings. So it's a, a systemic issue. It's a societal issue. And it's a
1: reflection of society.
0: I agree. I agree. And I don't know how to fix it. I know that I don't know, and and we need to we need to talk about that as a as a society, as a government, so that we can make sure students can go to school. Feeling safe and not have to worry about whether they're going to get home and and safe safe at night and and their parents worrying as well.
1: What misconceptions do parents or society at large have about teaching?
0: I'm gonna quote my late father on this one. He would always joke with me. He was a lifelong soldier, so that's where the military school thing. What
1: branch was he in?
0: He was in the army. He's nice. in the army for almost thirty years. My daughter
1: years. is in the army.
0: Yeah, my my father was a not not a he was in the National Guard, but active duty, full time every day. He would he would go up to either Concord or Manchester, and uh, so he he would I, I would come home. I would see my, my parents daily. I would check on them because I live very very close to where my mom still lives. And he'd say, "Oh, you're you're out of work already. Your your seven hour day's over." i think the misconception is that we don't work as much as we do
1: and you have summers off
0: and we have summers off when in fact
1: and you're overpaid exactly
0: when in fact what else (laughs) when in fact uh we're not we're not overpaid we're 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 underpaid and that's one of the things that i think should be should be taken into consideration as we move forward uh, with with education reform um I don't remember the last time I didn't teach summer school. I would always volunteer to teach either forensics or some sort of physical science course.
1: You said volunteer, not getting paid.
0: I'm sorry. Right? I did get paid. But still, your
1: point is you were working in the summer.
0: I was. Always. Always, always, always. I think th- I think that teaching can be a thankless job. There are misconceptions regarding what we what what parents don't see that we do on a on a daily nightly basis such as such as the fact that i had in the last before i left and I, and i will say that i quit because i did quit i had 70 students i was responsible for almost 70 students grading Uh, emailing stakeholders there's so much extra time that goes into that i took my job home with me every single night and it was it was really just uh hurting me and my family
1: not every employee has to do that i don't do that
0: no and uh Again, part of me, a large part of me misses that because I, I care so much about the students. but now that I've left, I, I don't take that, that piece home with me anymore. And uh, it, it takes it takes a champion. It takes a strong, strong person. Maybe I wasn't that strong, but it takes a strong person to be able to take that home every night and and solve those problems and and satisfy those needs
1: what were the academic testing requirements like in the early days and how did those evolve over time
0: it seems like now it's a revolving door there are so many different academic testing uh, so so much academic testing that is that is done and and it, it seems to change from year to year. There are, I don't I don't think I need to go into the different uh, types of tests that, that that are taken or the names of the tests that are taken.
1: It really changes how you teach, though. Absolutely,
0: right? and and you know, because so
1: much is riding on that test score.
0: And it's in, in my opinion, it's very very high stakes for the teacher, for the school, for the administration. And it's low stakes for the students, so we, we we'll, we'll get a report that students scored poorly on a standardized test, and it looks it, it reflects poorly on us. But in most of my students, from what I've from those that I've spoken with, eh, whatever. I didn't really care about that thing. I was just going to answer C, C, C on all the tests. There's a disconnect between the stakes and, and who's held responsible for these test scores.
1: What concerns did your students share about academics? Did they feel so much pressure?
0: There were some that did. A lot of them had anxiety. I, I can think of a few right now that that, that said, Mr. Lambert, I, I have severe anxiety about this i'm not a good test taker what what can i do and and so there was there were a lot of issues that that arose from from there the students that were that were self-aware they knew right off the bat that they knew the areas in which they needed help and and they came to me those that felt comfortable and again i tried to make myself feel as approachable as possible they came to me and, and I and I rose I posed those questions to to administration, pay grades higher than me. What can we do about these students that are having these these issues with, with academic testing? And and it's still it's an ongoing it's an ongoing issue that, that I'm not sure we'll find a perfect answer to.
1: You said earlier that teachers are underpaid. I mean I guess some teachers may feel they are paid enough. I know some districts pay more than others. But what should change there? Is it salary? Seems like the benefits are fairly good.
0: I do think the benefits are good. Um, You're you're asking a man with, with simple taste. I felt like I was paid enough. I do feel like Teachers are underpaid based on the amount of time that they put into their, to their work on a daily basis. Um, I, I'm sure who, – who wouldn't love to get paid more, right? <laughs> yeah. But I felt like I was adequately paid. We do, we do have our summers off, those that don't decide to teach – Physical science or forensic science in the summer. Uh, my wife would, would do uh, every every year. She does a kickstart sort of thing with her with her kindergartners that uh, that need a little extra boost before they before they advance to first grade or second grade. So I I feel like as a whole education could improve. It's all it's always about money. I, I, in, in in my opinion, I,
1: well, what do we value as a society? We spend so much on our military, for I, example.
0: I, and I know that very very exponentially well. Exponentially more family. than
1: other countries. I
0: understand. You're, you're you're absolutely right. So what is it that we value? Do we value education? Do we value our defense? What is it? And, and because
1: what you value is what you're going to put your money behind I, I as agree. a government or as a society. I agree. How did COVID change your school uh, and change you and your? students
0: uh covid changed us immensely i'm not sure how compelling my story is but two teachers two children living at home we had to have we had to make sure the internet was up was all set so i i was doing uh youtube videos for my students at five o'clock in the morning when we went remote when when covid first hit we went remote and a lot of school districts did so I was making YouTube videos uh, in chemistry. I was trying to teach chemistry at five o'clock in the morning from my little corner in the living room with a with a little whiteboard, a little magnetic whiteboard that I uh, that I purchased, and I, I published those videos. And I would throw those on Google Classroom, and the students were supposed to learn from my YouTube lecture. My wife was doing the same thing with her kindergartners in the other room. My 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 two daughters were trying to learn in two other rooms. It, it was it was a juggling act. We had to figure out who was gonna be talking and, and in which room we were gonna be doing this. And you
1: didn't even have all your chemicals and stuff. I
0: didn't have any of that. I didn't have any Couldn't of that. So that. I had to pull resources from online. And so that that was huge. That was a big I don't want to say it was a, a, a downward spiral, but it was a turning point.
1: And it was like you had two lesson plans. In Absol- way. yes,
0: no question. And
1: you had to create brand new ones. Correct. We hadn't dealt with this before.
0: You're absolutely right, and I was not afraid to to get my face on YouTube. My channel's still up. It, it can be. It can be research. It can be found. I have plenty of videos. From my, my physical science and my, my honors chemistry classes that I remember when we went uh, remote in March of, what was it, 2020? 2020. 2020. So, that was, it was, it was just uh, very, very tricky. And, and <laughs> it, it added to the stress without a doubt. The the school I worked at most recently had cohorts. So when we finally did get back to school, not every student was able to, to go back. We served several towns, or we served several towns, and half of the students would be at school one day or one week. They would go for a week at a time, and the other week, the other half of the students would go. That's extra work because we had to figure out We had to figure out how we were going to engage these students and think about as a science teacher, where we're supposed to do hands-on activities. We couldn't do those. Setting up a chemistry lab is totally different. And and a lot of people didn't take that into consideration. So that was so much extra work.
1: So I can imagine there's a lot of learning loss with a subject like yours. And then also from what I've read, those very young students, like the ones you're Wife is teaching huge education loss. Yes. And then the parents at home, if they're both working and they've got kids in kindergarten, first grade, that really requires hands-on learning at home. They don't even know how to navigate the computer.
0: Right. And and one of the things that uh, – again, to, to to talk about why I made the decision to leave, I felt like these these students – they were being parented, and, and not at the fault of their parents, but they were being parented by TikTok, by social media. They were home during this remote period while their parents had to work. They had to provide for their families.
1: Unsupervised sometimes. Unsupervised.
0: And, and so they were being led or guided by misguided social media, in my opinion.
1: A survey released last month by the NEA, the National Education Association, found 55% of educators are thinking about leaving the profession earlier than they had planned. And that's a big jump from 37% in August of last year. It's true for educators regardless of the age or years spent teaching. So you're not the only one out there.
0: I have stories. It's a crisis. Uh, It is a crisis, and it's something that needs to be addressed. I've I've been teaching for for many years and I have lots of colleagues, lots of friends in in the in in the realm of education and academia. Several of them have said I think they said this half jokingly but maybe not half jokingly. Can can you take me with you when 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 you go? I know that me leaving was a bad look. I'll never get hired by my most recent district again i i get that but i'm i'm okay with the decision that i made and my my stress level is just so far less than than what it was uh just just a few months ago and it's it's saddening that there are friends of mine that are that have told me and, and have told me very recently that they're still ready to ready to go. I don't know how we can change that, but it needs to be addressed.
1: Well, maybe not what you as teachers can change, but what can the parents, the administrators, the governments do?
0: I do think teachers need to, to be compensated fairly. Uh, about, we need to get paid more. The, you look at Scandinavian countries; they have amazing um, education systems. I feel like we should model that. We're trying to, but I don't think at the government level, uh, as powerful as we are as a country, in terms of education, we're not. We're not up there. I don't. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that we're not up there in terms of Finland
1: we 're lacking in a lot of social supports in this country, and so because of that, we put some of those responsibilities on teachers when the governments should be investing more in those in that scaffolding
0: I agree so I, I don't without without getting political i I, I do think that uh, there needs to be some sort of reform at the highest level of our nation that that we need to talk about this because from my perspective, from a local perspective, just from one teacher in a, a remote corner of New Hampshire, it's it's getting worse and worse. And, and other teachers will echo that sentiment. I can't pinpoint why, but it's getting worse and worse. It's not... It's not that the students are getting worse and worse. You heard me break down several times. I love, still do love my students, but it's getting worse and worse on a systemic level, and we need to fix it, and I, I wish I had the answer. I just don't.
1: Your parting message on your last day to your students was to tell them to always be kind to one another. If you could go back to school and teach under the best scenario, what would that look like as a teacher and what would that look like for the students?
0: So, I remember that day vividly. Um, again, I was weeping, a 40-year-old man weeping. I I, I feel like we're, we're missing as a society, we're missing that sympathy, that empathy, we're missing that sense of kindness. We're missing that connection to to the human being sitting right across the table from me. And I, I just, I don't know, I don't know why I got it from my parents, but I did. And I'm thankful every day that I, I have that human connection, and I, and I truly care about people. Um, m- m- the, ideal, the ideal teaching situation, for me, I loved just doing what I did in the classroom. That's where I was at my best. Not in writing paragraphs about students or responding to an angry email from a parent. When I had that connection with my students on a day to day basis, that's what I loved. It, it's the uh, it was the other it was the other aspects uh, about teaching, all the initiatives and the directives uh, that that I just I, I I guess I ended up getting jaded, but that one on one connection. I we we as teachers talked about this all the time a student let's hope they get eight hours of sleep at night they spend eight hours at home they spend eight hours a day at school we we are we are with them just as much as their parents are on on a daily basis so we need to be those leaders we need to be those caretakers for them and that's what i always try to do with my students for for better or for worse, I know that that connections were made, and I'm very very grateful in in what I was able to do over the last seventeen years. But again, no regrets. Maybe just a few. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we've already explored those, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know what? You're brave.
0: Thank you. I, I was I was told that by a few colleagues, and I, I didn't feel brave at the time. I well, was,
1: brave is hard, and brave hurts. It I've, can be painful.
0: It, it still is.
1: But on the other side, it can be so beautiful.
0: And, and too. And here's to the future. I'm looking forward to the time that I have with my family, and the, the the new job that I'm so appreciative of and and love very much.
1: Anything else you want to add?
0: Ah. Uh, like I like I told my students on the last day, please be kind to one another. The world needs more of that, especially now with what's going on. And uh, take a step back. Try to put yourself in someone else's shoes and think about what their struggles are, what they're going through. And apply that and try to help other people so that, we can we can take steps forward in this in this crazy world. But uh, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. I, I really hope that I have helped to provide an insight into teaching, and really, I hope to help make things better. And this is my contribution in that way.
0: I, I appreciate it, and thank you for letting me share my story.
1: Follow Diary of a Nation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review my work at Apple Podcasts.